episode of How to Love the Dark, a podcast where I walk my wife and one of my good friends down the long, shadowy path to horror cinema obsession as I try to take them from novices of the macabre to bloodbath experts one film at a time. This week we watch 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street, but before we get into that, let me introduce my co-hosts. First up, sitting beside me, is my wonderful wife, Anna. Anna, how are you? I'm okay. Good, good. I'm here. Uh, good. <laughs> um, and through the magic of the internet, sitting somewhere across the town, that we, the city that we live in, uh, Torin. Torin, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, living up in the north side as opposed to your south side, but doing well. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have to have one of those cool... I couldn't uh, have been more white right there. Switchblade <laughs> fights where one of our hands is tied together to... Oh my god, yes. Which side of the ever city since, is the best. Ever since I saw the other uh, iconic 80s, you know, music video, Beat It, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do one of those. <laughs> uh, all right, so before we get into the movie, we're, like I said, Nightmare on Elm Street. There's not a ton of, like, content warning stuff in this one. There is the discussion of child murder. Um, there is blood and gore, obviously, and there's very brief nudity in this film, um... But, but other than that, it's mostly just a spooky film. So not a lot of other, I think, triggering uh, things in there. So we'll just go right into the synopsis. This movie opens with uh, some opening credits that have uh, a picture-in-picture weird little vision of us seeing the uh, fabled knife glove, the hand knives, being assembled in some sort of workshop. Uh, after the title card, we find ourselves with a blonde-haired girl. Uh, she's running from a man attacking her with a with the knife glove. Just as she's about to get cut to ribbons, she wakes up, and we see it was just a dream, except her knife gown is shredded. Her mom comes in it's and <laughs> her mom comes in and tells her she needs to cut her nails or stop dreaming like that. We find out that her name is Tina. Uh, we cut to a daytime scene. We see the jump rope girls, an important thematic image from the series. They are doing a chant. Uh, that we will hear a lot throughout the series. It's one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab a crucifix. Seven, eight, gonna stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. And I'm only doing that because it's important through the whole series. Uh, that'll never stop being a thing we we uh, we see in here. So Jump Rope Girls doing that chant, and uh, we pan over to see Tina getting out of the car and walking into school with her friends Nancy and Glenn. Uh, Nancy even mentions the chant, so it's like a popular Jump Rope chant in, this, in the world of the film. Um, and Tina is telling Nancy and Glenn about her nightmares. Nancy said she has a night, had a nightmare too, but she doesn't go into detail here. Uh, they try to comfort her, and then Tina's boyfriend, Rod, who's like a greaser type, uh, shows up. Um, and they have a little bit of a, like, tiff. Rod walks off. Glenn, by the way, played by Johnny Depp in his first film role ever. Uh, so young, you could <laughs> barely tell it's Johnny Depp. <laughs> so young, yet so full of blood. And, uh, yeah, you'll soon find out. Nancy, played by Heather Langenkamp, who uh, is a cool person who didn't do a ton of Hollywood movies, but does star in three of these movies. Um, the most of oh anyone. God, there's so many more. Yeah, mm-hmm. the only the only person I think who stars in more than two movies that isn't Freddy Krueger. So um, we'll we'll see her more after this. 
We cut to that night. Glenn and Nancy are staying over at Tina's house to keep her company because she's scared and her mom is out of town. Nancy realizes she and Tina have had the same dream about the same man. Describes the finger knives, the sound they made scraping on things, the dirty sweater he was wearing. Then they hear noises outside and they go out, but it turns out just to be Rod playing a joke on them. He makes some more jokes before taking Tina upstairs for sex in her mom's bed. Glenn tries to get fresh with Nancy, but she says... No, they're here for Tina, not themselves. Um, so they just listen to Tina and Rod bang um, <laughs> instead for some reason. Yeah, very, very loudly. <laughs> yeah, very, very loudly and not in the way... T- it's a very unconvincing teenagers having sex scene to me. But uh, <laughs> Tina and Rod do it. And later in the night, Freddy does this cool, uh, iconic kind of scare where he creeps through the wall above Nancy while she's sleeping, knocking, like, a crucifix off of the wall. It falls off the wall, and then Freddy comes through. Um, Nancy, like, uh, wakes up, though, and holds the crucifix. Tina wakes up and hears rocks hitting her window. Um, She follows, uh, like, goes out to her backyard and kind of, like, walks away from the house a bit. Uh, Freddy then makes his first full appearance where we see him um, in all of his glory. He's doing a weird stretchy arms bit. And then he chases Tina with this little goblin run that Anna likes to it's laugh at. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite little run. Uh, and then he he does this thing where he cuts off his own fingers to mess with her. And they like squirt a green goo. And he like kind of laughs. He has this like minor masochism theme in this movie. Um, she like gets tackled by him and she reaches up and grabs at his face and it like slides off and there's like a cackling skeleton face underneath uh we we zoom back out to the real world and we see this commotion as rod kind of like wakes up and he's confused about what's going on tina gets like lifted into the air and like knocks rod off into the corner where he stumbles away uh then uh tina's shirt opens and like four cuts form on her like simultaneously but we we can infer that the knives are happening in the dream but and then tina in a very iconic scene kind of gets thrown up onto the ceiling and dragged around a bit before dropping uh to the bed and rolling off um in a huge splash of blood i just want to say that scene is so cool uh, I have a different opinion about the rest of the movie, but the practical effects in this movie are incredible. Like, if I, I haven't given anything, it's, it, they do some really cool stuff with, uh, especially the ceiling shots. Yeah, so they, they actually nailed everything down in this room, and it, it, they built a rotating room for this scene. That's how they um, do this shot uh, with her up on the ceiling, which I think is a pretty cool, inventive way to get the job done. Um and I think as far as, like, a first kill in a long-standing series goes, it makes a pretty good uh, impact. Um, mm. Glenn and Nancy bust into the room finally, but at that point, Rod is gone and Tina is dead, uh, obviously. We cut to the police station. Uh, Nancy is there with her mother, who is maybe one of the worst actors I've ever <laughs> seen. Um, (laughs) as as well as her dad played by john saxon uh in his second appearance on our show um they both man yeah the sax man uh they both think rod is the murderer but nancy doesn't think so there's like a really silly exchange um where her mom has this terrible line because nancy's like oh their fights aren't that serious and her mom says perhaps you don't think murder is serious nancy and it's just so poorly delivered (laughs) Her, her mom is in, like, a different movie for some reason. I don't understand why she plays her character this way. The next morning, Nancy insists on going to school despite not sleeping as her mom continues to display her extreme alcoholism by having vodka for breakfast. Uh, but on her walk, she gets pulled into the bushes by Rod, who tries to explain himself, um... 
but Nancy realizes her dad was using her as bait when he jumps out to arrest Rod. She's mad. Rod still swears he didn't do it. Nancy uh, makes it to school, and we see her in some kind of literature class. Her teacher is played by Lynn Shay, wife of the producer of this movie, Bob Shea, but also a horror mainstay uh, of her own. If you've seen her in other movies like The Conjuring and, uh, and Insidious, I think she's actually in both of those, though I could be misremembering that. Nancy dozes off, and she looks out of the hallway and sees Tina in a body bag in this really kind of you know creepy imagery uh she chases after her um even seeing her like dragged by an invisible figure down the hall leaving a trail of blood she follows that she runs into a hall monitor that's wearing freddy's sweater and then like when she yells at the hall monitor the hall monitor taunts her and lifts up and has the knife gloves kind of revealing that the hall monitor is freddy she runs away again, ends up downstairs in a boiler room. Freddy shows up, and this time he, like, cuts his chest open and, like, maggots come out. Before Freddy can get her, she puts her arm on a steam pipe to burn herself and wake up. The rest of the class looks at her strangely because she's having, like, a screaming fit, and uh, she excuses herself and runs out of the class. Uh, she visits Rod in jail, and he confirms that he has also been dreaming of uh, the man with the knives for fingers, and he, it describes the four cuts appearing on Tina at once. Nancy looks very scared, backs out of the room. We cut to her in the bath. Um, the most uncomfortable-looking bath ever. Yeah, she's, like, laying so awkwardly on this bath pillow, this inflatable bath pillow. Um, but then she kind of dozes off. Uh, Freddy's glove pops up, like, between her legs in the water. Um, but, then, <laughs> but then it, it, it goes back under the water when her mom shouts kind of uh wake her up but then she dozes off again and gets pulled fully under the water she's struggling she's screaming her mom's trying to get in um she manages to get away and get out and fully wake up her mom comes in and she's like no don't worry about it i just slipped and fell don't worry um and she finds some stay awake uh caffeine pills uh, in the medicine cabinet hell yeah i was waiting for that to happen when i was watching that i was like she's gonna find like adhd or caffeine pills or something <laughs> Um, Glenn sneaks into her room. He's still skeptical about Freddy at this point. Uh, but Nancy asks him to stay awake and wake her up if she seems like she's in trouble because she's going to go into the dreamland to, to, uh, get Freddy. Glenn agrees. Nancy turns the lights off and goes to sleep. She dreams she's outside. She goes to the police station and looks into Rod's cell window. She sees Freddy walk through some bars and kind of stand over Rod and then wave to her. She cries out to Glenn, but he's not there. Uh, body bag Tina shows up again, this time spitting out a centipede and then like her body bag opens and just like muddy eels come out. Um, Freddy. Yeah, it's real weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about the imagery of this movie. Um, Freddy shows up and chases Nancy back to her house, where the stairs have turned to marshmallow goo as she tries to run up them. Freddy uh, finally tells, you know, we all know he's Freddy because he's a cultural icon, but in the movie, he finally says he is Freddy here after wearing Tina's face as a mask for a brief moment, then, then reveals his name is Freddy. Uh, Nancy makes it upstairs to see that Glenn has fallen asleep. She tries to wake herself up, but is attacked by Freddy again and before she can be killed though her alarm clock wakes up though her pillow is now shredded and feathers are going everywhere she's super pissed at glenn because he had one job uh and he <laughs> failed at it uh, and then she remembers that rod is still vulnerable so she and glenn run to the police office her father begrudgingly lets her check on rod but she's too late freddie has strangled him with a bed sheet making it seem like he's killed himself 
Uh, though obviously Nancy knows that's not the case. How would he have gotten the sheet that far out of the window? Don't don't worry about it. Yeah, right. It. He has magic Freddy power. So. Oh, okay. At Rod's funeral, Nancy details her attacker, and her parents look visibly shaken. Nancy's mom says she's going to get Nancy some help, so she takes her to the Katya Sleep Institute, uh, where Nancy is tested. They put diodes on her head, gets her to start sleeping. The doctor and her mom have this weird conversation about what dreams are, and he's like, we basically don't know. Which, it's a mystery. <laughs> which makes yeah. me go like, well, why, why does this place even exist then? Nancy goes into REN sleep and he's he says there's some nebulous number that should not be that high uh, or should, should be like in the four and five, but it spikes up to like 50. She's woken up by the orderlies and she has a cut on her arm and she's holding Freddy's hat. Um, which she apparently took from the dream. Nancy confronts her mom in the morning with the hat. Her mother is somehow still skeptical and says that she it's must have... the biggest long con ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she must have snuck the hat in. It says that Fred Krueger, the name in the hat, is dead. Nancy is furious that her mom knew who Freddy was and smashes her bottle of vodka on the ground before storming off. Uh, we cut to a shot that is very clearly over a canal in Southern California, despite this movie taking place in Springwood, Ohio. Um, <laughs> there's like palm trees. <laughs> it's like a terrible location choice. But she's talking to Glenn on this bridge. He talks to her about Balinese dream skills and robbing, you know, monsters in your dreams of their energy or taking control of them. And she's reading a book on booby traps and improvised anti-personnel devices. Glenn's like, why are you reading this? And she says she's into survival. <laughs> um, it's like some libertarian survival. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nancy comes home to find that all her windows are now barred. Uh, her mom apparently had bars installed this afternoon. Uh, her mother beckons her down to the basement and fills her in on Freddy Krueger's story that he's a child murderer who killed 20 kids in the neighborhood, but somehow she or her friends have never heard of that, which is incredibly bizarre. Mm -hmm. uh, but he got off on a technicality, so she and some other parents tracked him to his boiler room that he had taken kids to to and then murdered him uh by lighting him on fire and then she kept his glove yeah then she took his glove as a souvenir as a trophy yeah. yeah nancy calls glenn who lives across the street we find out and tells him the plan that she's gonna go grab freddy in her dream bring him to the real world and then glenn can knock him out she says to meet her on her porch at midnight but not to fall asleep nancy using her backup coffee supply after her mom takes away <laughs> Her her first pot of coffee, she reveals that she had a coffee maker running like under her bed, uh, which seems like a fire hazard, but whatever. <laughs> she stays awake and she goes to sneak out at midnight, but her mom is drinking uh, vodka from the linen closet stash she has uh, right outside Nancy's door, so she can't leave. She tries to call Glenn, but he's asleep, so his dad answers, and he tells her to leave Glenn alone and puts the phone off the receiver so she can't call. She's upset. Um, but she gets a call back from Freddy, who uh, she like screams at, tries to hang up the phone. Then she, then it calls again, even though the phone's unplugged from the wall. And this time, Freddy surprises her with some tongue and says, "I'm your boyfriend now." Fun um, now, Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy tries to run out of the house, uh, but Marge, who is three sheets to the wind, has locked her inside and forced her to sleep. Meanwhile, over at Glenn's house. Uh, is that a thing that you used to be able to do in houses? Lock people in to where they couldn't get out? Well, if you install out? a lock on the front door, because I, I think it's implied that this was part of the bars as so she installed ah. a lock that you need a key for. And then got so drunk that she hit the key and lost it. 
Yep. Um, over at Glenn's house, he is sucked into his bed and turned into a geyser of blood. Um, again, using the uh, spinning room trick to do this kill. He is There's so much blood that pours out of him, way more than any one human body. I, yeah. I have like, a whole song about that that is... That comes yeah. from this phenomenon, did, in fact. But did, yeah, because the Freddy put him in like a Vitamix or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know, but I kind of love it, especially because. Um, so evidently, on, in production, this one didn't go that smooth, and people got electrocuted by the blood water, which oh, is God. a fun sentence to say. Electric blood. And like, it, it's the room slips, and that's why at one part it kind of goes at this weird angle. But I think it kind of works. It looks even creepier yeah. when it starts yeah. to like flow at this angle. Blood's leaking through the sea. Ceiling, uh, and a deputy puts a bucket out for it as Nancy's dad arrives with an ambulance and like someone tells the ambulance guys he gets a gun he's like you don't need that you need a mop and a bucket um, which is just like a completely insensitive thing to say in front of Glenn's family yeah Nancy calls again and affirms that Glenn is dead, uh, and so she asks her dad to come by in 20 minutes to get Freddy after she brings him out of her dreams, but he's kind of dismissive, though he does ask his deputy to go watch the house and come get him if anything weird is happening. She doesn't seem phased with his death very much, just fucking Glenn can't depend on him. He just goes off and dies when I asked him not to sleep. Well, she's kind of broken at this point. She even (laughs) has that silver streak in her hair she got during one of the nightmares I forgot to mention. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the dream at the uh, the dream clinic that she yeah. had. Yeah. Uh, Nancy sets up booby traps all over her house in the longest 20 minutes I've ever seen. Oh my god, right? She must have done a, a, a rehearsal run on, on doing that to try to get that, that world speed run record in for booby trapping your house. Yeah, and then she even has time to have a heart-to-heart with her mom. And they still both... has 10 minutes left over. Yeah, they mostly make up. So she goes to sleep. Uh, she goes down to the basement. She looks for the glove, but it's gone. She finds a door that leads her down further into a boiler room. Freddy begins to chase her, and she runs back up at her front door. Uh, Freddy attacks her. She grabs him, and the alarm goes off, but she wakes up seemingly empty-handed. But then Freddy leaps out from the under- other side of her bed and attacks her. She smashes a coffee pot over his head and then locks him in the room in kind of the final girl chase scene of the movie when he comes out out of the room he's hit by a sledgehammer trap she set earlier falls backwards over the railing of the stairs and then he hits a trip wire that ignites a gunpowder filled light bulb trap she made as well uh nancy runs down to the basement and freddie follows but nancy sets him on fire before running up the stairs and locking him in the basement there's a sweet fire stunt here i always admire a good fire stunt for um, someone who does not have the same physicality of freddie at all is set yeah. on fire yeah, I mean, the stuntman is is wearing a very bulky version yeah. of the Freddy costume, so he looks huge Yeah, um, and bloated. But, you know, I, I'd rather they shoot the scene safe than not. So. <laughs> Fair. With smoke coming from the house, the cops finally bother to show up. Freddy isn't in the basement when the cops check, but Nancy and her father follow burning footsteps to find Freddy still on fire, attacking Nancy's mom. They, like, throw a blanket over them to put the fire out. Freddy vanishes, but Nancy's mom's charred corpse sinks into some sort of weird abyss within her bed. Nancy sends her father away downstairs, saying everything's fine. Freddy comes back through the bed, tearing away at the sheets, but Nancy uses the Balinese dream skills approach, tells him that she isn't afraid. She's taking back all the energy she gave him and turns her back on him. He dives for her, but dissolves into weird static. And then we come to the ending of this movie... 
Nancy goes through the door, and suddenly she's outside on a foggy but sunny day. And her mom's there, and she said, I'm gonna quit drinking, and everything seems fine. Nancy goes to get in the car with her friends, who are miraculously all alive again. Unfortunately, it turned the car, like, uh, seal it, the roof comes up, because it's a convertible, and the roof is green and red striped. And it turns out it's like an evil Freddy car, and the kids are driven away screaming. And then Marge uh, sees the jump rope girls in her yard, and then is pulled through her window. Uh, after turning into a very obvious mannequin uh, that, is, that is pulled through this window and the movie ends. Yeah, also, Freddy Carr canvas is the dingiest striped canvas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually like, if you look in the, it's actually like falling apart. It's like come apart on one side. Yeah. It's not the greatest movie prop. That's probably because uh, we'll get into it in a moment, but Wes Craven hated this ending and he did not want it in the movie uh but before we get into that let's talk about our overall feelings on the movie let's start with you Torin, since your feelings are a mystery to me i didn't want to voice them at the start or to you immediately because i feel like i may have missed something because i wasn't crazy about this movie um i think it's such it's such a pop culture thing at this point and it's kind of like everyone knows about it that nothing scared me in it i thought it was just kind of hokey and like you know motel hell's camp like is, is a campy b movie the the datedness of like the the effects made it more campy but like the blood and stuff effects in this movie not the the scenery effects those are amazing and like like the 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 set effects those are awesome but all the blood and stuff just it made it feel too campy and dated i, I didn't think it was very scary okay Anna, what are your feelings? I think that's fair. Um, I don't find this movie very scary. I think it does a good job of um, building, I don't know, not really suspense, but atmosphere. I like what they were able to do on such a tenuous budget, and especially for, for the time. And I think overall, I like this movie. I think it's entertaining. I don't think it's scary. So I I think that's definitely a fair criticism. I feel like it probably was scary when it first came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. But I don't find it scary today. Yeah. And I I only mention I don't think it's scary because I feel like that is the metric of which I will judge whether these movies are good or not. Is what did it did it scare me or elicit any degree of suspense? Yeah. Or was it like a comedy horror where it's not, you know, it's it's got a little scare, but it's meant to be more tongue-in-cheek? Like Motel yeah. Hell, my favorite horror movie. <laughs> well, that, that's interesting. So I, I first saw this movie in 1994 when I was 8 years old, or 10 years old, sorry. Um, that would have messed me up. That would have messed me up for sure. Yeah, yeah and it was way scarier then. <laughs> Um, but now I, I, when I watch it, I don't think it's scary. I do think there's some like effective imagery in the movie for just giving you like a cool, creepy atmosphere Yeah. that, that I'll get into in a moment. But, but I, I, I don't think I love this movie. I mean, this isn't even my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I'll just say that. Um, I think it's one of the better ones, but it's, it's not my favorite. Uh, because I kind of appreciate the campier versions of, of this, this franchise, which we're going to get to. <laughs> In a little bit. This is the... One and two are, like, way more serious than a lot of the other movies. Though when we get back to the remake, they get 
it gets deadly serious for some reason. Um, but I yeah. think it needs to go one way or the other. It needs to get more serious, or it needs to get more campy. Uh, that's I think part of the. It just didn't. It kind of straddled the line in the wrong way for me. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Well, yeah, I I, uh, I I could totally see that. I think like I think that there's lots of things hindering this movie. For one, um, the acting is uneven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There are people who are doing a decent job. I think Tina and uh, Glenn and John Saxon are doing a, a pretty okay job. Heather Langenkamp's not the strongest actress in the world, and her mom is so horrible. Just, like... She feels like she's supposed to be in, like, a Saturday afternoon special. Or, not sorry, an after-school yes. special. Yeah, she yes. totally does. Um yeah, she just, if you've never seen it, you gotta watch it just for her huge overacting and how bad it is. Um, yeah, so it, it, I think the acting is, is very uneven. I think the ending uh, is bad. You know, Wes Craven didn't want the movie to end this way, but Bob Shea, who is the longtime producer of this series at New Line, he, he wanted this ending, and so he got it. And I think it's confusing. I, well, I watched an interview just earlier today, um, and... Bob even said that this wasn't his favorite ending that they shot. Mm. But I guess they shot three different endings and tested them with audiences, and they still couldn't decide. Mm-hmm. This one somehow but passed that? This one somehow is the one that's just been used since then. I so don't know why. I think the movie should have made a bigger deal out of Freddy being lit on fire in the basement, because that's the way he died the first time. And that Nancy should be holding the door shut, like, struggling and crying and being super emotional, just trying to hold Freddy in this basement while he slowly burns to death, and then her dad shows up, and I think the movie should end there, because I think everything after that, the weird bed abyss her mom gets sucked into is so weird, The, the Balinese dream stuff... Even though it was kind of a Chekhov's gun from earlier, I don't think works. I think it should just end there. I think that's actually a pretty poetic way for Freddy to go out. It's also the same way he went out before, so it doesn't guarantee... You know, Bob Shea wanted it open for sequels, but it doesn't guarantee it that Freddy would still come back just because if if he burned to death. He already burned to death once and he came back. So I think it still leaves it, it open for sequels. I wish... That's where I think the movie should end, personally. It's one funny thing about this uh, is that last night as I was watching it, I fell asleep because uh, it was late. I fell asleep the last 20 to 30 minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. And so I rewatched it today. And it just so happens to be the part where she tries to pull him out of the dream. And then there's the whole bed scene. And the yeah, it was it all just a dream ending. And I got to tell you, I was very confused this afternoon as I was watching it. Which I, I guess the it was all a dream was in like the original first draft of the script that's how Wes and Bob had kind of wanted it to end was it was all a dream uh-huh because it's called Nightmare on Elm Street so it was just all a nightmare yeah and i get that no that's I think not it's good the either. wrong choice and i really think doing the twist of it was all a dream or was it cuz freddy's controlling the car I gotta it's tell like you, it's extra bad. 
It's very hard when someone says it was all a dream not to say I used to read Word Up magazine. Sorry, notorious B.I.G. Yep. <laughs> creeping into my uh, uh, my Nightmare on Elm Street feelings. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I don't think that ending. I don't think it being all a dream is good either. I think no. that's bad for a different reason. Yeah. But the the way it ends now, it's just confusing. Is it a dream? Did this happen? Who I don't know. Nobody knows anything. Um. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I just think it's, the ending is a bit of a mess. Yeah. However, obviously, Freddy Krueger might be the most iconic horror movie figure of all time. Like, the only person who's close is Jason. He, Jason, and Michael Myers are considered, like, the big three, but I I don't think Michael Myers even touches the other two in, Mm -hmm. in how iconic they are. And I'm curious, you know, like your feelings on like how you thought of freddy krueger having never seen this movie torin like what what were your thoughts on freddy krueger as you as you grew up in a person in this world where he was just like a huge cultural icon i thought it was the movie was supposed to be like super you know because people are like oh it's like the best you know it's the the ultimate like slasher film it's you know it's like spawned yeah freddy versus jason and all this stuff and um so I was, I was like, oh, that's not for me. Like, I, especially as a kid, I was very much not a fan of horror. I definitely, like, avoided it at all costs. I used to get, like, the Sky Mall magazines where they'd sell, like, the costumes and stuff. And, yeah, I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. It's too scary. Kind of didn't really care as an adult. Um, watched it now, and I'm like, the, the hugeness of the pop culture, like, phenomena that is Freddy Krueger, like, the cultural knowledge we have of him now is, I think, a detriment to anyone watching this for the first time rather than, like, something to enhance it. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it gets overhyped a little bit. I can see that. Yeah, I was, I watched it and I was like, that's it? That's, this is not a good movie. This is not this scary. Yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I, I have this feeling you'll like Freddy more after these first two films, Torrent is is my guess. That's what I what I will assume. Yeah, uh, well, it sounds like they get hokier, and, and this movie needs to be either be hokier or more serious and suspenseful. Yeah, yeah it definitely goes the, the one way. So yeah, I, I, Freddy to me is interesting. I think he's iconic, in my opinion, because he stands out among the field. Uh, because of the inversion that he attacks you in your dreams, when I was a kid and I'd watch like a scary movie, other than this, like a uh, child's play, I would go like, I just got to get back to my room and go to sleep. I just got to go to sleep, get out of this day, this world where I saw this scary stuff. But then when I was a kid and watched Nightmare on Elm Street, the last thing I want to do after watching that movie is, you know, go, go right to sleep. Because that's where Freddy can get you. So I think he like lives with you a little bit longer uh, as a kid watching this movie or as a person watching this movie when, you know, the effects were timely and everything. Um, and, and But because he's like attacking you in your dreams, he has a more supernatural bent to him. And you get all that classic imagery. Because that's the one thing, yeah. the, like the one thing I think works in this movie super well is there's lots of images that stay with me and I remember forever. Tina in the body bag in the hallway you know like to me like man that's one of the best little like scenes of like creepy unease you know like just like oh that's a that's a creepy thing like her class is still going on except the guy's reading shakespeare he's reading julius caesar slower and slower as she sings to the dream and then she looks out and tina beckons to her and she follows and then tina gets drug away and her arm like flops out of the body i i don't know i could like that scene is just so great to me in, in establishing, like, the dream world's creepy. It's not all hits. I think Freddy's masochism stuff is weird, and it doesn't really factor into his character after a certain point. I, I think it's a miss. 
But I think like sometimes this movie just really hits its mark at being really creepy. The the character Freddy Krueger is really cool. I like Freddy Krueger as a as I guess monster slasher. Yeah. You know, but the, this the movie just doesn't deliver. Like I, the imagery you see, like they did such a good job designing Freddy Krueger as like a you know a slasher, you know, kind of boogeyman type thing. And, like, his backstory is so good, too. I'm like, oh, like, because I remember reading about it. I've never seen the movie. I wanted to know about it so I could be in on, like, the cultural thing. And I was like, that sounds really cool. Like, I'm I'm sure this movie is probably really scary. And then I watched it and I was like, that's it. Like, so much is, is I felt like, is, like, extrapolated mm-hmm. that is out in the current, like, cultural air. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think the Freddy version that's popular is the is the the one that starts having quippy quotables whenever he kills somebody, which starts to happen after three uh, three and beyond is kind of where we start to see that Freddy Krueger. So um, I think that's the the one that lives in pop culture in a way, because Freddy, you know, there are movies before this that kids weren't dressing up as Leatherface as at <laughs> Halloween, you know, but kids dressed as Freddy Krueger for Halloween, you know, despite him being a child murderer, um, <laughs> which is a little weird if you think about it. But yeah, I, I just a uh, just an interesting thing. I want to do something, uh, something that we can only do in these uh, franchise runs that we're doing here, which is having. Anna having seen the movies, but probably not remembering a great deal about them. Correct. And Torin having never seen this these movies, knowing that there are six more movies before we get the reboot and crossover, we won't worry about those. But just six more Freddy Krueger movies. Where do you think the sequels go? What do you think they're about? Jesus, <laughs> that I don't. I think it's got to be that she wakes up again and it's it's some part of it was a dream mm-hmm. um I, maybe she's gotten older and she has to deal with freddy krueger again or there's a copycat killer scenario but man i honestly don't know where they go in nightmare on elm streets two and three like it's got to be like cause i feel like you can't how do you do a sequel to this it's just yeah. And he's I still like, he's still torturing people in their dreams. I feel like I remember I don't remember which movie this is. So maybe it's the next one, but maybe it's later. Is there a movie where Nancy is a mom? Uh yes. Okay. But it's it's weird because she's not Nancy in that movie. She's Heather Langenkamp playing Heather Langenkamp. Oh right. Because the movie you're talking about is the seventh one and it is a very meta style of horror movie um, okay and and even though it's not one of my favorites it's just a really interesting idea for a horror movie so i'm excited when we get there before we uh talk about the next movie though uh was there any other thoughts you two wanted to to put into the discussion here so aaron at the start of the show mentions the the weird like cropped shot of the the claw being made uh-huh. your tv is an aspect ratio issue that is just the shot don't be like me and <laughs> and try to fix it <laughs> that is very funny good note because i don't understand why it's not just like they have the technology why wasn't it just a full screenshot yeah. of that happening i don't know yeah they like have to frame it it's yeah but i was like stopped it for a little bit and, and tried playing with it and then i was like no it's just maybe i'll let it run i guess if it keeps going i'll, I'll try to fix it again but yeah it stops it's so weird it's so <laughs> weird um this is also i will say this is the kind of movie I will admit you put on at like a Halloween party in the backgrounds because yeah. you don't have to pay attention to it really. There's and there's some very pretty gore scenes, you know, with the the rotating sets and stuff like that. And the bathtub scene is very cool as well. Yeah, but yeah. This this is a background movie to me. 
All right. Well, let's figure out the science of it. Uh, Torin, let's start with you. Go ahead and uh, plug yourself into those diodes there right. and uh, right. give me the reading on your scarometer. This meter. String the analgesic and taking the spinal tap. Oh, the spinal tap. Wow. It's got hardcore. Uh, while Torin gives himself a spinal tap, which we do not suggest you do at home, uh, we are we are movie scientists, so we are allowed to do that. Um, just a reminder to our audience: this is the measurement to see how into horror uh, Torin and Anna actually are at this point. Last week, Torin was at forty percent. Let's check his reading this week. Uh, Torin, have you recovered from that self-administered yeah, spinal tap? I'm, uh, I'm coming out of the, the anesthesia right now, and. Uh... I feel like I went down five percentage points. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's okay. I feel bad that I didn't like Nightmare on Elm Street. I, it's this like <laughs> cultural thing, and I was I was disappointed that I didn't like it. I was I wanted against all hope to like it, but it just wasn't that good. Okay, well that's okay. I think you'll like. I think three will might be your favorite movie we've watched so far. I'm gonna guess. That. All right. Predictions. Uh, <laughs> Anna, uh, go ahead and. Uh, Plug yourself into the scarometer. You were also at 40% last week. Where are you this week? Uh, I will say I liked this movie. I don't think it changed my percentage at all. Okay, you're just staying at 40%. I'm, I'm holding steady at 40%. I don't think this is a movie that's going to kick me any higher than that. But it wasn't bad. It didn't make me go backwards. Well, that's good to know. Um, okay, so Torin is at 35%. Anna is at 40%. We need to rank the film on our uh, ongoing uh, list of greatest horror movies of all time. Right now, The Witch is the best horror movie of all time, while Drag Me to Hell is the worst. And I'm going to go ahead and just to start the conversation, I'll say this movie isn't as good as The Witch, and it's better than Drag Me to Hell. That's, that's Those two things, I think, are true. Uh, I don't think either of you it, would argue with that. Is it Witch... Motel Hell, Black Christmas, Red Death, Drag Me to Hell right now? It's The no. Witch, Black Christmas, Motel Hell, Mask of the Red Death, Drag Me to Hell. That is the current order. Okay. So I feel like uh, Torin is going to want to put this below Motel Hell because that was like his jam. Motel Hell was was, was his jam. Yeah. I feel That's like, insane. I feel like, Anna, you're going to try and put it above Motel Hell. Yes. But below Black Christmas because you, really, you liked Black Christmas. Is I did. That, am I correct in my assumptions? Yes. Torin, is that is that correct for you? You would put this above Mask of the Red Death, but below Motel yeah. Hell. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I have to be the tiebreaker yet again between you Which two. Which side of the fence is it on, Aaron? Um, I I think I think I don't want to get hate email from horror fanatics, so I'm gonna put it above Motel Hell because I think even if as an isolated movie experience, it's not as fun for some people as Motel Hell is. I still like it a little better and i just think the iconic nature of what it creates um is is worth considering so i i'm gonna say this will go in the new number three spot below black christmas but above motel hell because i don't want the horror fanatics of the internet to yell at me i do want to put an asterisk next to that and Uh i will say after watching the rest of the nightmare on elm street films we will come back and we will revisit this and we will see if the legacy that it created is worth its spot in line. Okay, uh, I'm I'm okay with that. That sounds fine to me. If if you say nine, if you say I like three, I might change my opinion. But right now, I am incensed. That, you're, you're incensed. <laughs> I am incensed uh, that this movie is uh, above Motel Hell. Well, I we'll also agree goes. that Motel Hell is misplaced on this list. Yeah. 
Oh, Anna would send Motel Hell to the bottom. Watch your yes. words. <laughs> How dare you speak of my movie? Um. All right. So, uh, next week we are gonna watch A Nightmare on Elm Street Two, Freddy's. Oh, it's, a <laughs> it's it's actually Freddy's Revenge. This is I, often. I want to see the movie Torin mentioned. I it's Nightmare on Elm Street one. Two colon Electric Boogaloo colon Freddy's Revenge. All right. I'll take it. Um, this movie is pretty renowned for being full of queer subtext. It's often called one of the gayest horror movies ever made. Uh, and it has some controversy because the lead actor felt like the director was trying to out him because he was a closeted gay man. And uh, by, by putting all this stuff in the movie. And there is, in fact, a cool documentary that I have not watched. I want to watch called Scream Queen that exists that i may try to watch as well uh this week just to have more knowledge about that but that's kind of what it's renowned for it's it's still not super campy freddy it does have some amazing practical effects though this this one has some of the best practical effects in the series in my opinion and i am excited to see what you think if you want to let us know how you feel about uh our rankings of the film or anything else i am on twitter at npc aaron you can also uh follow on twitch where i play video games at npc underscore aaron um as well as listen to our sister podcast which is like this but for pro wrestling uh called how to make a mark which you can search on any podcast platform anna where can folks find you you can find me on twitter at cellophobia that's cellophobia with an s i just started a letterboxed account uh mostly just to rate the movies that we're watching on this podcast and there i am anna with one n underscore rampage on a rampage yes i forgot about oh. letterboxd i'm also on letterboxd as guns gods ghosts all one word torin where can people find you i just have instagram you can find me at my not clever name bracy tk uh I hopefully by the time this, this uh podcast episode i will have posted some cool pictures of sausage and I'm sure Yay. if you like horror movies, you probably like ground meats. <laughs> you gonna make a striped sausage in honor of Freddy's sweater? That would be so hard, but I'd be willing to try. <laughs> yeah, that would be really weird just knowing how sausage is made, because you'd you'd want to yeah. lo- you'd you'd need like two machines, right, to like take the casing off and squirt in another stripe and then go back and forth or something. Yeah, and even then, like the the you know the their sausage wouldn't be very well stuffed. It'd be like really like pockety. Mm, yeah. yeah i think you'd have to paint the casing oh okay or like dye pre-dye the casing mm. and then case it i like i like all of these plans uh, uh eventual patreon goals is horror themed sausages so uh <laughs> i'll make a listen if if this is popular enough we'll make a sausage freddy krueger gauntlet nice yeah i love that idea um <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and and we'll well the next spinoff will be uh, a, a a sausage themed version of this show where somebody oh. who doesn't like sausage has to try different sausages every week and we talk about them. Um, I'm oh, just yeah. kidding. That's probably not the next version of this show. First of the bunch. <laughs> wow. Well done. Uh, I don't think we're gonna top that. So thank you for tuning in, and we hope and you tune in next. Tune into verse of the bunch as well. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of How to Love the Dark. Goodbye. Bye. This is our other podcast. You heard me here first. <laughs> <laughs>